0: The following program was pre-recorded. On WFAN, it's time for Hello, my name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800 Gambler. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, my name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next half hour is always an open frank honest conversation About gambling addiction as we try to humanize the addict. Very happy to have with me today a fellow gambler in recovery out in California. This is Alyssa. Alyssa, good morning and thank you for joining us. Good morning.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So when was your last wager?
1: I placed my last bet April 2nd, 2019.
0: Yeah, if I told you four years ago that you would never gamble ever again, uh, what would you have said to me?
1: Oh, absolutely. You're crazy. You're crazy. (laughs) Right, right, right. I was obsessed.
0: Obsessed. Got it. Well, let's uh, let's go through the entire story, and I appreciate you sharing it. Well, how old were you, and when did you first get exposed to gambling? Well,
1: I actually wasn't exposed to gambling all that much until later in life.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And I don't think that I really, really started gambling until I was, you know, in my 40s. And um, it actually happened right after I had a traumatic brain injury. And um, I was feeling real sorry for myself, and um, I was mad at the world. Like, why me, why me? And I think that I thought going to the casino, a place where I could be um, good at something, was really important at the time. And that's exactly what gambling did for me.
0: So were, you, I, were you looking for acknowledgment that you were good at it, or was you know, winning at gambling the acknowledgment uh, itself?
1: Well, the thing is, is that I did. I wasn't a, a big winner at the beginning, and so most people say, you know, the worst thing that can happen to a compulsive gambler is that they win, right? Um, and so I think for me, it was more just that I could prove to myself that I wasn't, you know, diminished the way that I had been. You know, I worked so hard my whole life to get where I was in my career, and all of a sudden, in one day, you know, I was I couldn't tie my shoe. So it was really kind of a scary place to be in, you know, in my early forties, and. um I found refuge in the casino. I didn't have to speak to anybody. I didn't have to worry about them judging me. You know, could I even put a sentence together at the time? So gambling for me was just a place where I could go and and hit a button and, you know, feel like I was normal again.
0: So let me ask you, that's interesting. We'll get to the exact types of games you played and all that. Did you seek out other refuge uh, prior to gambling? Did you try, you know, drugs or drinking or or any other type of your kind of behavior that would allow you to do it alone and be alone and feel better about yourself? Or was gambling just the first thing you, you thought of?
1: Gambling was really the first thing I thought of. I mean, I definitely didn't ever like to be alone before that. I, you know, I'm very much a, a people person. Uh, I love humanity. So, right. you know, I like to be around people. It was very odd for me to want to uh, to be in solitude and isolate
0: yeah in a weird way, you're surrounded by people in a casino, but you're playing alone. like you weren't looking you didn't play with like girlfriends. you didn't go out with people to the casino. That was something you did all by yourself, right?
1: That's right. I mean, at first, it was for sure. I mean, I didn't want anybody talking to me while I was playing. I didn't want anybody looking at me. I mean, when I was in the casino, I was a completely different person.
0: Got it. And how quickly did they go from? Let me just do this because I need the outlet to I'm doing it every day. yes. Yeah. I'm doing pre- it every day. So, but that, And that started from Jump Street or built over time?
1: It, it, it pretty much started from Jump. I mean, I started going to the casino, you know, on the weekends by myself, maybe on a Saturday, and then it progressed, you know, to like Saturday and Sunday. Um, and it, it got really bad after I met my now husband, uh, who I took to the casino for the first time, gave him money to gamble with, and he won, and he got bit by the bug. So together, I think that we... You know, became more compulsive and and became more addicted together.
0: And would you, was gambling like that thing that the commonality that brought you guys together? Where where all your conversations about gambling or a big win or a loss and about you know how we're going to go to the casino tomorrow night was it a lot of the talk amongst you guys?
1: It, it really was. I mean, I I I want to say that when we stopped gambling, we didn't actually know who each other was.
0: Right. So you gambling know, was, was really the gambling became the bond actually.
1: Yes. Gambling became the bond. It was something we did together um, at first. And then as, as, as we got uh, more addicted to it, we would go to the casino, you know, every other day, you know, in the middle of the night. And then we started to want to gamble, you know, separately. So in the beginning, we would pool our money and we'd split our, our winnings. And then we started to get competitive.
0: Right. So if you don't mind me asking, you know, you sound great uh, for someone who suffered, you know, a traumatic brain injury so there, there was must. I imagine there was a period of convalescence after you know, this traumatic event, where you couldn't communicate, articulate, you know, speak maybe to people, do simple, you know, uh, tasks like tie a shoe. How long did it go from that to where it sounds like you're at today?
1: Oh well, it's been six years since the brain injury happened, but I literally did not, you know, take care of myself when I got out of the hospital. Um, And that happened in July. And I I think I started really going to the casino quite a bit in October. So uh, not that much time had passed. And, um, you know, it was just not the best way to handle life after a brain injury. I was in a casino all night, not sleeping. I was smoking cigarettes, just doing things that you really shouldn't be doing after um, you get out of the
0: hospital. And when you look back on it, it was because you felt bad for yourself you felt like yeah. you were a victim and it wasn't fair? Like, do you walk us through that?
1: Yes. I mean, absolutely. I felt sorry for myself, and I was angry at the world. Why me? Why me? You know, I had worked so hard my whole life. I had a failed marriage, and I never had children, and I just focused on my career. And I finally got to that pinnacle, and then this happened with the brain injury. And I just felt like everything had been taken away from me, not only, like, my, you know, my mental abilities, but also... You know everything I worked so hard for and I was left with nothing I was I was working when I first started gambling I was still trying to you know show people that I could do my job and what have you but you know it it really wasn't working out because I really wasn't interested in working anyway so right
0: so gambling became everything to you you didn't have kids anyway you weren't married at the time and all of a sudden here's this uh, amazing thing you can do that fills the void makes you feel better about yourself and allows you to kind of skate through life without a worry.
1: That is, that's right. That's exactly right. And then I just, and then one day I just won a lot of money, and that was the end of it for me. I mean, it was that, that I got the bug, and it never left until it did.
0: And what was your game of choice? Slots? Slot machines, but high-limit slots. Got it. Which, so so there, was no. an, there was an aspect of having a lot on the line that appealed to you.
1: Absolutely. And it, I played high limit slots. So it was like putting $100 bills into a paper shredder.
0: Right. Uh, for sure. For, for sure. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And was there, you know, for me and a lot of gamblers, you know, my game was Blackjack. So it's a more interactive game. You know, my ego played a huge role in that, where I got to a point where I just thought I was, you know, and maybe I was, I don't know, you know, the best Blackjack player in the world for a period of time. And that ego. Yo, know, fed my need and want to gamble because I just convinced myself, yo, why wouldn't I go gamble today? I'm so damn good at it.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if there was like a professional slot player type thing, I, I definitely thought that I was right. I could quit my job and become a professional slot player, which is the biggest joke. I mean, slot machines they don't require any skill whatsoever. Right. And honestly, to, to walk around like a big shot thinking that you know i had the casino in my, the palm of my hand and i could break the machines and i could break the casino these are the things that went through my head it was all crazy thinking
0: like it's Absolutely. it's uh it's completely delusional is what it is and right it, it is
1: it's yeah. completely delusional and i look back at it now and i just think what an what an idiot i mean I was playing a game that really, I mean, never was in my favor. In the long run, Right, I was never going to win. No You're playing a game that I
0: is did. federally regulated to pay out 20% and lose 80% over the course of a year and had convinced yourself that you knew something that no nobody else knew, how to break the algorithm that the thing is built on. Exactly. Right. Exactly,
1: which is, like, just absolutely absurd. And, like, I have formulas. I'm an accountant. So I should know better. I mean, I know how <laughs> right. I know how money works, and I know how percentages work, things like that. And, I mean, I was still convinced that I had, you know, formulas in yeah. place and, and and processes in place that, that so, would allow me to win. And I had a, a handle on it.
0: Did, did it, it
1: was like uh, a second job for me, too. I mean, Right. It was, like, it was
0: a second job, but it took up more time in your mind than your first job did. That's the problem with it, among other things, right. obviously. Now, did you have financial problems at home where even prior to meeting your your husband now, where you were risking more money than you had to risk and you're now in a position where you don't have enough money to pay rent, pay the mortgage, pay the electric bill, that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't start gambling because I had financial difficulties because I didn't. You know, I work in the entertainment industry. I work in television. And, you know, we make pretty good money. I wasn't struggling financially at all. It was just emotionally. I mean, I had cognitive problems when I, you know, after my brain injury, and I think that really kind of set me back. Um, I became kind of emotionally immature, and I I developed a life problem. And my solution to the life problem was gambling. So gambling wasn't my problem. My problem was life. So right. Gambling was the solution. But I definitely didn't have financial burden until after I stopped gambling. Um, and it, I am sitting on a huge pile of debt right now. The destruction um, the aftermath of sure. the gambling far worse than the two years that I spent gambling because right. I only gambled for two years and it's really not a long time in the grand scheme of things. In the
0: grand scheme I of won- life, it's not, but the, the damages is, is lasting far beyond the amount of time you actually spent gambling because you dug yourself such a hole,
1: such a hole. I mean, uh, not only did I you know lose all of the money that I earned all of my savings and all the money that I won. I also, um, I I was working on a reality show at the time and, you know, I I committed a crime and I embezzled from my employer and was arrested and, you know, I had had my day in court and it was uh, the most mortifying moment of my life um, because it's just not, it's not like me, it was out of character for me. I'm a good person who did a bad thing and it's hard to come back from that stigma.
0: It really is. Well, I mean, I, I, I live it every day of my life. I, 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 we'll get more into that with you in just one second. Alyssa joins us out in California. Really fascinating story. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Happy to have Alyssa here. Where we left off, Alyssa, is... You made uh, the bad life decision to break the law, to embezzle money, and got caught. So what was it like for you when you're standing there in front of the judge and they're saying all these bad things about you? What was that like for you?
1: You know, it was almost like an out-of-body experience because I couldn't really, you know, put together the pieces and, and think that they were actually talking about me. You know, because that's just I had a company um, at the time that was a compliance company. I mean, my the whole point of the company was to help small production companies stay in compliance. So they didn't end up in the courtroom or they could detect fraud and embezzlement within their company. And so the irony of all that was just, you know, it was it was really crazy. And um, my name got speared around. This town is very small. Yep. My industry is very small and especially, you know, the people that work in reality television, we all know each other because, you know, <laughs> who really wants that job?
0: How much but, <laughs> uh, money did you embezzle?
1: I embezzled 350000
0: Okay. And I the company 14. the company that you embezzled from figured it out and they brought charges against you?
1: They did. I actually, you know, I, I wasn't really all there. So I definitely didn't do a good job at covering it up. So, I mean, it, it, maybe I wanted to get... Um, caught, you know, maybe that was my cry for help. Right. Because really in the end, you know, I can look back at it now and say that maybe getting arrested was the best thing that happened to me. People think it's weird when I say that, but who knows what road, I mean, what path I would have ended up down. You know,
0: I've I've lived that, literally lived every minute of that in your shoes, and I can say getting arrested is one of the the worst days of your life. And there's no in-between on that. Um, But there are times when that event happening big picture years later when you can look back on it with clarity you can say what you're saying which is getting arrested as bad as it is and it sucks may have been the impetus for you to get help and become good
1: yeah that's for sure and you know I got arrested in a very unladylike way I didn't have I was getting into the shower I was naked when they came to get me and I ended up walking out without any shoes on uh, and there's nothing more mortifying than getting out of jail and having to find a telephone and walking through the town that you work in where everybody knows you right. with no shoes on,
0: sure. you know, and
1: trying to find a cell phone so that you can call somebody to come pick you up. It was just one of those moments where I just couldn't believe that this is where my life had ended up. And I was very scared.
0: Did very, you uh, very, very scared. did you go to prison? I did not go to prison.
1: Um, I really... So, I had a public defender, which everybody said to me, "Oh, you know, this is bad. you need to have a private attorney." but of course, I didn't have any money right the same time I got arrested, I had actually maybe a week before stopped gambling because I ran out of money. you know i was I was destitute, I didn't have anything, and so when they came and got me, I mean within a week, it was like the rock bottom where I ran out of money, I couldn't pay my bills, I had to get a bailout for my father. He, he then started to manage my money for me so that I didn't have cash on me. But it was just, you know, the worst thing that a daughter could do is disappoint her father. You know, I'm a daddy's girl, and that was really, 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 really heartbreaking to me.
0: And how, how soon after that moment, when you get arrested, do you at least have the come-to-Jesus moment where you're, you can look in a mirror or look your father in the eye and say, you know, I'm a compulsive gambler, I have a problem?
1: Well, I think right before I ran out of money, I was actually in, I'm from Maine, so I was in Maine with my family, and my mother looked at me, I was, I was going to go down to Connecticut to check out Foxwoods, and my mother look at, looked at me and said, you should leave some of that money here. With me, And I'll hold on to it. Don't take it all with you. And I was like, oh, come on. Of course, I'm going to take it all with me. And then she looked at me and said, don't you don't you see that you have a problem? And even at that point, I was like, I don't have a problem. I don't know what you're talking about. But it was really my mother that that put it in my face. And the irony of that is that she never actually knew about my arrest. You know, she is the one that was the catalyst to make me see the light, you know, a couple of weeks later. But she didn't know about my arrest. And um, now that my case is sort of over, I don't know if I even want to tell her because she's older. And, you know, I just feel like maybe some things are better left unsaid.
0: Yeah. So your mom has no idea that you got arrested. Your dad knows, though.
1: My dad knows because he had to bail me out. He bailed you out. But I asked him not to tell my mother. You know, my mother's Italian and she worries a lot. Sure. Sure. I didn't want to put her in the back. And
0: how many years ago was all this?
1: Um, This started. So I started gambling in at the end of 2016. And I, um, I ran out of money at the end of 2018. So literally, just two years. um, It was like right, you know, it was two years door to door, basically. And then, so uh, when, so
0: when you realize you need help, and now you know, you get arrested. Your life's in shambles. You have financial problems. You forget about reputational problems and all that because that comes with it, of course. You immediately went to. GA or went to some place to get help and was it cold turkey or did you dabble a little bit before you figured out hey i can't gamble at all
1: no i think getting arrested really um sent me into like a shock where i felt like if i did gamble you know and i got caught because i was out on bail for three years three years i was waiting to find out the verdict in my case and in that three years i mean i just. The thing is, is like because I had a public defender, I did a lot of work to fill in the void, right? You know where maybe he had too many cases, and I just wanted to be my own advocate. So I did a lot of research, and um, I couldn't find a job for the first year. So I was sort of like sitting around thinking, what am I going to do? When I went to GA, I actually went the first time, and it wasn't right away. It was, um, you know, probably six months after this happened. Um, maybe two months after my last bat because even after I got arrested I did go back to the casino twice right um but really it did it did scare me and it wasn't worth it to me
0: in the end yeah it's weird like so, i I understand this all the time you know I got arrested I gambled again uh I went to rehab I gambled again you know twice it's the same exact number and I, and I did it because just egotistically I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it responsibly and sadly I couldn't uh and and I can't I wish I could, you bottle this, Alyssa, and I can't, and I don't know if you could either. I don't know why I stopped. You know, because all the reasons that I ultimately stopped for were always present. You know, wife, kids, job, reputation, money, all that. All the obvious things that aren't, aren't worth the risk never changed. And I just, you know, one day walked out of a casino when I failed my own test where I left money in my car, And I said, if I lose the money I brought with me, I'm not going to my car to get the money. That was my (laughs) test. And of course, I went to the car and got the money and lost that. Uh, And I've never gambled since. And like, I wish I could figure out why. You know, and that's the one aspect of my journey that I think I'm gonna, you know, unfortunately be buried with, you know, inside my body. And that is, why did I ultimately say no? And why didn't I say no so much earlier? You know what I mean?
1: I do know, and it's it's a it's a very weird thing. I think that gambling is it's like no other addiction. You know, you can't look at somebody and say, oh, that person has you know slot eyes, or you know, oh, I can smell their poker breath right. or whatever. So it's a very like you know silent addiction, and it's really hard to come to terms with the fact that something that's legal, you know, can it can can screw up your life so badly. You know, I, my first GA meeting I went to because I was starving. I didn't have any money to eat. And I was so hungry, I thought maybe they'd have donuts there. That right. is the honest to God truth. So I, I don't know if I was ready for recovery, but when I got there and I realized they didn't have donuts I, and I, you know, I was still hungry, I stayed. And I actually, you know, I find for me, the 12-step program was something that I needed whether I realized it or not. And I think, you know, everybody should attend a 12-step program whether they have an addiction or not. It is definitely a spiritual journey that is something that I needed being so lost in my life. Yeah.
0: Before I let you go, we, we try to end the show by by you know, speaking directly to people who are at, you know, kind of day one or phase one of this, which is, you know, finally coming to terms with the fact that, you know, I need help. I'm, I'm out of control. I can't handle this. It's bad for me. And I tell people all the time that you can get through it. You can get to a place in your life where you have an amazing life that's totally worth living and you do it without gambling. And I say that with the same recognition that the day you stop gambling, a lot of things get really better immediately. But there's still a lot of, you know, you caused a lot of damage too, where, you know, your entire life doesn't just get better overnight. And I wonder if you could just speak to those people that are at day one and give them the hope that, you know, they need to know that, hey, you can get through it, but it does take work and it's not an overnight process.
1: Yeah. I mean, as compulsive gamblers, I think that part of a a trait that we all have, look, compulsive gamblers, we're all very smart people. We're all very creative. Some of the smartest people I've met are compulsive gamblers. But the one thing that we couldn't really, I, I think we really have a hard time with and struggle with is that instant gratification. And so just like gambling where we wanted that high instantly when we won, we also want our recovery to be the same way. And Really, it's just one day at a time. And if you can make it through 24 hours without going into action or placing a bet, you know, then you're you're 24 hours more ahead than you were the day before. Right. And that's all you can do is really just look 24 hours ahead. And also, I, I always like to tell people to advocate for themselves. You know, gambling addiction was looked at for a very long time as a moral issue. But I think with the legalization of sports betting, it's becoming more of a public health issue. And I think people need to understand that you know the stigma, this moral stigma behind gambling is something that needs to be you know reassessed because it's not necessarily a moral issue. It really is more of a public health issue. And we're going to see more and more compulsive gamblers in our GA meetings and calling the hotlines for help because of the legalization of sports betting and the onset of online gambling. And, I mean, I'm seeing the growth already in the numbers in the rooms.
0: Sure.
1: So I really encourage everybody that if they think that they have a problem or they know somebody that they suspect may have a problem, to just sort of reach out and, you know, and talk about it. Because most compulsive gamblers won't do that on their own. They want to be saved from the hell that they're in. But they don't know how to talk about it because it's never been something that we were able to talk
0: about. No, there's a, you're always going to need, in my experience, and I think there's great commonality amongst all gamblers. All each of our stories might be uh, you know specific to us, and our recovery is certainly specific to us. There's great commonality in how we process gambling, and the the, the answer to the question why we gambled and why we allowed it to get you know, out of control. And I think you know, those shared stories would ultimately help people, which is why places like GA are so successful. And helping people like us because you can walk into a room in any city in America and there are men and women in that room who have emotionally and mentally processed gambling the same exact way that we have. And those people don't mind sharing their personal experience so that you and I can learn from it. And what we do this show, you know, to pay that forward because there was someone who didn't know who I was, didn't know who you were, who extended a hand and we're willing to sit there and listen to us and talk to us and get us to a place that we are today where life is really good without gambling, and that couldn't have happened without, you know, those other men and women extending a hand to us.
1: That's right. That's right. And it's very, very important to know that you can go to a safe place and tell your story. I mean, when I first went in, I thought, wow, I have the craziest story. Nobody yeah. has a story like mine. Yeah. But that's not true at all. I mean, everybody has a crazy story. And, and the, with the pandemic— The fact that we weren't having in-person meetings for gamblers anonymous you know it was harder for people to get the recovery um now we have new meetings and you know they're all over the world and this addiction does not discriminate i mean you can go to a a meeting in africa or a meeting in poland and hear the same stories that you hear here so it's it's just a, a quite um an insidious disease and you know i hope to to at least if one person can can hear my story and resonate with it and get the help that they need or get the courage to get the help that they need, then that's all that matters to
0: me. Have you ever thought of using your background in reality TV to uh, produce something uh, around gambling or not? Nah?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, all the time, all the time. And um, I actually, I, I have so many ideas. I just, you know, it's a lot of people just don't, they don't know if they want people to know about their addiction right away or sure. they want it. They, they're safe in the room, but they're, they might not be safe on television, but I think it's important, and I think that anybody that, you know, does some sort of, like, television show or documentary about gambling addiction is is only um, contributing to the success of our recovery.
0: Well, I really appreciate you coming on this morning, and while you and I have never met, you should know I'm really proud of you because your story uh, is going to help other people, and it's no small feat to get to where you've gotten, so you should be proud of yourself as well. And I hope that you well, are, and I hope that things uh, remain well for you. And hope to meet you one day, too. And thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Craig. And I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me that you're proud of me. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a long road. It's been, it's been a long road, and it will continue to be. So that means a lot to me. Thank well, you.
0: Well, stay in touch. I'm sure we'll meet at some point. And thank you so much. Okay, thank you. really appreciate you staying by and listening to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig.